Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Next Tuesday, Governor Rick Snyder will deliver the State of the State Address, uh, and we are going to involve you in that speech and in the process here. Tell us what question you want to hear Governor Rick Snyder answer in his State of the State Address on Tuesday evening by submitting your question uh, to uh, to us at uh, WDET. Uh, you can hashtag Detroit Today, hashtag my SOTS uh, on Tuesday and follow along the speech uh, and we'll have we'll see whose questions uh, get answered. Uh, we'll see what uh, topics get addressed when the governor gives that speech. I, for one, am a little surprised that he's giving that speech in the same week that uh, we have the presidential inauguration. I'm not sure. Uh, if that normally happens or if that's unusual. But for some reason, that that strikes me as uh, sort of giving up the, the stage a little bit to the president. But uh, if you do have a question uh, that you want to hear the governor address in his uh, speech, please send it to us here at WDET. All right. A little later in the show, we're going to talk about uh, the new episode of our new podcast, Created Equal. Focuses on the Electoral College uh, this week. Uh, we'll, we'll hear about that. But up front, uh, I want to welcome Randy Richardville, former state Senate majority leader to the studio. Randy, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. It's always good to be here. Yes, absolutely. And and uh, we have you here as part of a new effort that we're making here on Detroit Today to invite in people who see the world a little differently than I do uh, to help us on Friday to wrap up the news. Uh, I get a big platform here. I spout my mouth off all week. Uh, it's <laughs> nice sometimes to have somebody else come in and say, well, I think you're wrong about that or I see that differently. So. We had your buddy Matt Rush here last week, uh, and yeah, you're I up go now. a long ways back with Matt. He's uh, he's a good man. Uh, he did a good job telling me that I was full of it. <laughs> oh, really? He went that <laughs> no, far? No, he huh? did not. He did not. <laughs> he was very gracious. <laughs> uh, John Truscott, I think, is also good. John Truscott is on ta- on tap. We've got a lot of people. We're going to try to do that. Uh, we're going to try to do it every Friday, uh, uh, and it's a, it's I think appropriate given the rancor that we saw just unfold last year uh, all year long and then the divisive aftermath of the election i think it makes sense for all of us to try to make a little more effort to 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 talk more uh, with people who don't think the, the way we do i mean i think we all run the risk of sort of living in those bubbles that uh, yeah and you know in 14 years in the legislature i was in the majority every time uh, every year and uh, six years in the house eight years in the senate uh, but i was um i i think um astute enough maybe that's the word i don't know to know that we don't have every answer we don't have uh, all the solutions that are necessary to solve problems the other side of the aisle has something to say too and they represent uh, in some cases you know, almost 50% of the state too, right. uh, but maybe just a little bit less than that. So trying to work together in a bipartisan way as much as possible. And that's difficult because uh, you get accused by your supporters potentially of sacrificing your yeah. values when yeah. you're really not sacrificing your values. You're, you're protecting them, but realizing that there is a, there's middle ground a lot of time that does not touch our core values and uh, working together with the other side is something that I think Michigan does a lot better than Washington. Yeah. Uh, I've been a part of it. I've watched it since I left. Um, and, and I think Rick Snyder 
uh, is a big part of that. Um, and, and, you know, I think this criticism of him and the handling of the Flint water crisis is, uh, is unfair. Do you really? I, I really do. Um, In what way? Well, Rick Snyder was the one person when this was first came out that stood up at the state of the state and said, look, the buck stops here. Um, I apologize for my administration, the things that we may or may not have done wrong. Uh, there, and he didn't talk about others that had done wrong, that this problem has probably started over 100 years ago before any of us were around. Um, and he is a problem solver and a non-politician. He does not play the game well. He doesn't even like the game. Uh, so he said, look, if we're going to solve this problem, we may as well just take responsibility for it and go after it. And I think he's done a, a tremendous job in his staff in working with the people of Flint, uh, especially, on trying to find out how to solve these problems, how to bring uh, clean water back and uh, uh, mitigate the problems that have been there. And you don't you don't think that the delays and the I mean the the, the super slow response that the state has had to uh, the, to the water crisis uh, somehow falls in his lap? Yeah, I I, I do I yeah. do I think that government is a very difficult um, animal to turn. Uh, the rains pull hard and it takes a long time to get things done. Um, and, and, you know, he is also meticulous about making sure that the problem is the right problem and getting to the source of it That's and true. not just glossing over it or pretending to get something done. So he dug pretty deeply and it took longer than most people would like that to, to happen. But that's because he's very, very thorough in, in solving his problems. He wants the root to go away and not just to be a surface uh, solution. You know, um, one of the things about the Flint water crisis that, that has bothered me about his response is um, uh, I, I think his reluctance to, to try to put this in a larger context, that some of the things that he did uh, really quickly after taking office, for instance, uh, helped contribute to uh, the decision making that led to the Flint water crisis. So, so here I'm thinking of the, the the budget cuts to the Department of Environmental Quality, for instance, or the the, the focus on deregulation and things like that. Um, you know, when you say those things, when you do those things, often they have consequences. And I think one of the consequences in this case was the fact that you had uh, folks in Flint sitting around a table trying to save money uh, by, by uh, you know, cutting the, the amount they were paying for clean drinking water. And the result, as we all have seen, is, is tragic. And I, I sort of wanted the governor to, to own up to that and say, look, the way that I have seen my job and my role uh, as governor maybe needs to be attenuated a bit to, to be more focused on uh, service and public service and less on the bottom line. Well, let, let me let me be real clear about this because I was there. Uh, you know, you we got the state of the state address coming up right, next Tuesday. week. Uh, I was at Rick Snyder's first state of the state address, and I was new in my role. I had been in the government for about ten years at that time. He had been in there for about two weeks. Right. Um, right. But and, that was your first year as majority leader. That's right. Okay. That's I right. I don't remember that. That's yeah, and the speaker of the house, Jace Bolger, was there for the first time too, and he only had two years' experience when he took that that on because of term limits. So there's a learning curve, and we're all learning things. But Rick Snyder was smart enough in the very first one to say that one of the single biggest problems we have in this state is infrastructure. Right. And Black most people heard roads. Yeah. <laughs> right. But he was very He's clear. About we're everything. not just talking about roads. Yeah. We're talking about infrastructure underneath the ground. We're talking about sewers. We're talking about water supply. We're talking about 
a lot more than just money for roads. And if you look at the formulas and how hard he tried and I tried to get more funding passed, it wasn't so much that the the cut in the Department of Human Services that I think is important. It's the fact that he let out and said, here is one of the biggest problems this state has. Me, a Republican, that a lot of people are wondering, oh, wait, he's an Ann Arbor Republican. How Republican is he? And yet the first day that he comes out publicly to talk about what he wants to do, he said, we need to raise revenues so that we can have infrastructure fixes. He did say He that. said that six years ago. Yes. And then five years later, four and a half, five years later, we found out that infrastructure problems caused water drinking problems right. in Flint. So Causing I think he was looking in at Macomb it. County as well. I mean, the, the, and there are plenty more to come. Yeah. Bridges, our bridges are the worst in the yeah. state. I mean, we're talking, I'm talking about more than just, uh, than just roads. And what they were able to pass uh, last year will put some kind of, uh, I won't call it a Band-Aid. It's a little more than that, but I don't believe but that they're going to come yeah. near no. near where they need to to get the in- infrastructure fixed in this state. So yeah. we have a long way to go. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Randy Richardville, former state Senate majority leader. We are talking about the week's news in Lansing and Washington. Uh, you want to join the conversation? Give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number. 313-577-1019. Uh, you can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work your comments into the conversation. Let's go to Tim in Farmington Hills. Tim, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you very much. You know, sure. I have I live in Farmington Hills. I'm not part of the being poisoned in Flint, and and I have some really strong negative feelings about the governor and his inaction and his his uh, forcing the emergency manager law on, on the citizens of the state. And I just wonder what the impression of the f- former state rep has about the long-term res- uh, the long-term uh, legacy of this governor having done what he's done to harm a hundred thousand people that he was responsible for, and not taking res- very mu- very well responsibility for it. I mean. I'm to the point where I think he's an embarrassment to my race. Wow. Tim, that's uh, those are strong words. And, yes, it is. And, and, and strong sentiment. And You uh, know, we, we, voted, we voted to overturn the emergency manager law. That's right. And this bean counter decided that the will of the people should be overridden by him. Yeah, uh, so Tim. I, what is what is the long term legacy for this man? Tim, great question. Uh, I agree with a lot of what you said there. Uh, I would give uh, Randy Richardville a chance to to address it. What 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 effect will this have on Governor Snyder's legacy? Well, I think it's it's obvious. I mean, Time Magazine talked about it. The sure. presidential candidates talked about it. They came to Michigan to uh, specifically. Uh, address uh, the the problem with the the water in Flint. It was uh, a nationwide, and in fact, it was around the world that people were talking about that. Yeah. Now, in some ways, that brought attention to an issue that's bigger, probably than than most people around the country see. Um, and his handling of it when it came to him, uh, I disagree that he has not reacted to that issue. I, I have watched. He's got Rich Baird and another team that has gone down there. Rich Baird is standing side by side with the mayor of uh, Flint, yeah. yes, and they are working, you know, with their sleeves rolled up, 
in uh, a, a way that, you know, I, I don't want to talk about things like an embarrassment to my race. Uh, I don't. I don't believe that that's the kind of that, yeah, talk I mean, that's going to help very us. Very harsh move words, forward. but I, I think that it reflects, though, the deep sentiments that people have about Flint. I mean, it, it, people feel really betrayed. I think is the is the is the right word. Well, uh, you know, I I know Rick Snyder. I, I worked with him uh, for four years very closely. Every week, getting together, sometimes one on one, sometimes with a small group. I know the passion that he has yeah. for the state and for the people. He's a humble man who works hard and believes that he was called to do this job. He doesn't do it for the money. He doesn't do it for the prestige. He does it because he's got some gifts, and he wanted to share those gifts and try to make the state of Michigan better. He and his family are incredible people. I know them all fairly well. His family has been attacked, abused unfairly um, for uh, something that happened. Again, it started years ago. And there's no one person that should be blamed, although I believe he is the poster child, so to speak, for the problem in Flint. And he took that upon himself. He didn't care if you come after him. He wanted to make the problem. If he was a politician, and he's not a politician, right. he never it's was part of this part of his way. problem, I think, with with the public, too, is that he's not a politician. He doesn't know how to how to sort of turn these things in a way that that people can relate to, number one, but number two, that they might sort of change their minds about uh, about you. I mean, he's uh, he struggles with that and he struggles with 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 empathy. I mean, he struggles. He has struggled to sort of emote about this crisis in a way that I think would give people a better sense that that uh, that he does feel bad about it or that he does feel something about yeah. it. Hey, that's that's a good point. Rick Rick is a, a non-emotional yeah, guy right. for the most part, especially yeah. in public. But I've seen his passion when we talked privately about things like Medicaid expansion. Mm-hmm. And while a lot of his supporters, a lot of far-right people said, oh, there's no way we should take this money from the federal government. There's no way. He knew that there were 300 or more thousand Michiganians who could get health care coverage if we said yes to this. He flew back from Israel. He got into a fight with, with me <laughs> and others. And, and privately, you could see the passion. When he went out publicly, you know, he spoke without that kind of passion. But I've seen it. I know that it's there. I know that he, as more than anybody else, would like to fix this Flint water crisis problem in a, in a way that it never comes back. Uh, and so did it take too long for him to respond and for his administration to get involved? Some could argue, yes, it did. Yeah, I think. It but did. once he did, once he put his hand to the plow, he didn't look back. Yeah, they're doing. Forward. They're doing what what they need to do now, and and I think uh, you know they made a lot of progress in Flint. Uh, everybody who's worked there, you know, local, uh, state, federal uh, officials. I mean, everyone's everyone's sort of engaged at this point. But I do think. Uh, I do think, uh, you know, his legacy is really badly tarnished by this, uh, and that's that's unfortunate because I I agree with you about the kind of guy he is, uh, the kind of person he is. Uh, I, I have no personal problems with the governor. It's about what he what he does uh, as governor. I think that that, that people push back against. Uh, it, you know, sometimes yeah, Steve, it's easy to easy to forget what he walked into when he took over. Yeah, no, and I'm not one mess. that wants to say, hey, let's let's blame the prior administration, all that. <laughs> yeah. We don't need that. But he walked in and said, you know, in our first meeting, we talked about 
the number one priority is to get this budget balanced on time because we're not giving schools, we're not yeah. giving cities enough right. time to respond. It was, it was October sometimes, it seemed like, before we were getting Well, it was because they closed the, the government right. down. It was right. end September it was 30th, the, the year does. So yeah. he did that. He brought a lot of things under under control that were uh, crazy spending, et cetera, et cetera. He's done a lot to settle the state down and move forward in pretty much a nonpartisan kind of way. I mean, he has really been an example um, of how we can work together uh, on both sides of the aisle versus what you see in Washington, what you see in other states, where it's nobody can do anything right if they don't have the same initial after their name. <laughs> right. Uh, all right, let's go to Jane in Huntington Woods. Jane, welcome to Detroit today. Uh, good morning. Hey. Um, I'm listening to your show, and thank you. Um, uh-huh. I have just two brief comments. One is that I used to be the executive for the Screen Actors Guild here in Detroit, and um, I am upset that Mr. Snyder, uh, Governor Snyder, uh, canceled the film incentives when it, it I, it's well known that it creates jobs and morale in each state. And as we are now looking at our state losing film jobs coming out of L.A., it makes me uh, very angry. Um, and then also the fact that he uh, changed um, the right to work law—that that right to, made this a right to work state—makes me very sad. Yeah. And those are my comments. Okay, Jane. Jane, uh, I appreciate the call and the comments. Uh, you are talking to the right person about film incentives. <laughs> <laughs> Randy Richardville is probably the most enthusiastic supporter of the film incentive. So, Randy, what do you have to say? Well, that's one of the reasons why term limits aren't so great. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Jane, I I, I totally agree with you. You know, it was a Jennifer Granholm idea when we had jobs, uh, you know, we were losing jobs by the hundreds of thousands and we led the country in losing jobs and people moving out. We were the only state in the United States to have a negative population growth at one time. Right. And that film incentive program, we gave away a lot to attract the film industry to Michigan. That 42% credit, so you came in here and spent $10 million, we wrote you a check for $4.2 million. And everybody in Hollywood said, let's go make a movie in Michigan. Well, eventually, that was too costly, and uh, it was kind of like a loss leader where we gave away a lot of money, but we needed to change that percentage to make it smaller and more competitive, which we did over time. We also changed from just trying to create jobs to create careers. So we went after television shows because television shows might last 26 weeks. You could have somebody come in and learn the jobs all the way up to the top, start out with nothing, and then build a career uh, over a season or two, whereas the big tent uh, pictures that came in didn't want to any on-the-job on training. They wanted people that were already trained. So Michigan was way ahead of the rest of the country, and I saw that. I worked through it because I had been there through the years when we were trying to build jobs and careers. Unfortunately, the House of Representatives, and Jane, I don't mean to be a, to correct you, Rick Snyder at first, the, on February 17th in the year 2011, that's how, how much it impacted me, he cut that to $50 million a year with the intent to put it to 25 the next right. year and then eliminate it in the third year. And by the time we got to the second year, he was on board and understood that it was a job creator. And we kept it at $50 million for my entire four years in that office. When I left, the House of Representatives submitted a budget after the governor did that eliminated it. They got rid of it. Yeah. So it was the House of Representatives that cut that program 
when the governor and the Senate would have supported it. And unfortunately, I watched movies. I watched people that had moved in, moved in and worked and that's here. One the, cars, you know, that's one of the things that, that, that bothers me about the governor. I mean, you know, when John Engler was governor, and I was not a fan of his, his politics. I'm not, I'm not surprised. <laughs> right. But, but you know, uh, Engler had control of the legislative process, uh, partially because he spent a long time in the legislature. He understood how it worked. He knew the folks who were over there. Uh, you know, Governor Snyder doesn't seem to, to, to be able to do that. And he lets, I mean, this is a great example. You have one of the three uh, parties that, that get to make law decide to do something different from the other two, and somehow they get their way. That happens a lot in Lansing right now. As sometimes it happens. We do some trading. We do some arguing. We do some fighting. Um, you know, the, the the biggest battles I've had when I was there are among the Repu- the Republicans when we're sure. in majority. You know, um, I talked to Jennifer Granholm. I worked with Jennifer Granholm. I worked with John Engler. Um, I, I was there during his his tenure, and with Rick Snyder. Um, of the three, the only one that had any legislative experience was John was Engler. Engler yeah. And Jennifer Granholm told me uh, personally. Um, that if she, when she looked back at the time she spent in the legislature, the one thing that caused her the, the most difficulty was the lack of experience there. That was one of the things. Yeah. Rick Snyder has told me the same thing. Yeah. So he hired Brian Callie, or not hired, but recruited him because of his experience in the legislature. Uh, the legislature is a tough animal. It's not. It's, it's almost counterintuitive sometimes. <laughs> so I don't hold Rick, Rick uh, accountable for not understanding that uh, as well because his learning curve... Um, was it relatively was short. Steep. Yeah, uh, yeah. He, he did a pretty good job of yeah. getting to know us and and to work with us. I think it happened the first time when I sat in his cabinet meeting and looked around at all the people that he appointed into his cabinet. And I said, you know the difference between this room and my caucus room? He said, what's that? I said, you can fire anybody in this room. Uh, right. That's However, right. if you walk over to the legislature, the only person in that room of all the 25 uh, other senators that are Republicans that sit in that room with me as the leader, the only one that can be fired is me, is me. if they decide. To. So <laughs> right. it's a whole different it's a dynamic. Way different ha- yeah. It's a way different uh, thing to have to manage. Uh, let's take one more call here before we break. Uh, Liz in Woodhaven, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Hey. Um, I uh, wanted to make a quick comment. Um, I can understand that the infrastructure and everything has been a mess. I know we're not the only state being affected by it, and I know even local cities have issues. <laughs> and um, I just I think that under the administration now, there's just been so many mistakes and too many people feeling personally attacked. Just to like of last year, I had relatives going to Lansing to protest for the retiree benefits, the firefighters, police officers, and it's like. Just little things like that keep building up, and it's not even just Flint. And I feel like at this point, there's no more questions we can ask the governor. It's just time for him to be done and for us to have faith in somebody <laughs> new. Yeah, well, well, we got two more years, Liz, before before that will happen. He's going to be governor for uh, two full more two more full years. So uh, I'm not sure we can just move on. But 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 I hear what you're saying about the the, the frustration. It, it's good to hear somebody from the downriver community calling uh, in. You yeah, know? No, Monroe. We don't consider ourselves downriver, but right, we're like but brothers close, with them. Right? You know, we're yeah. okay with people from Woodhaven <laughs> and Allen Park and yeah. and wherever. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, the retirement problems 
Rick Snyder, again, is not the creator of no, those problems. He inherited those problems. I, I have, yeah. I have it, problems it, with the way he's dealt with it. I think he could have been more aggressive, more creative, but you're right. He did not cause that problem. What do you, what, the Detroit bankruptcy, I mean, I think he was, he showed a tremendous amount of leadership, leadership on a problem yeah, that wasn't no his yeah. and, and helped to save, preserve, or at, at least as much as possible. Uh, make whole some of those retirement programs that were underfunded. And it wasn't him that did that. Yeah, yeah. And he didn't have to do that. He could have said, oh, you know, Detroit doesn't vote for me. But he didn't do that. He said Detroit. In fact, he's got, he set up an office there and said Detroit, you know, as Detroit goes, so goes Michigan and put a lot of emphasis on the importance of Detroit to the rest of the, the, the rest, rest of the state. state. Yeah. And when you go around the world, nobody says, are you from Michigan? They ask if you're from Detroit. Are you from Detroit? Detroit yeah. is the, the definition right. of Michigan. All right. Randy Richardsville, former state Senate Majority Leader. Thanks, as always, for being here on Detroit Today. It goes by fast. I'm Steve, sure we'll have sure you back during fast. the year. I hope so. <laughs> That's right. All right. Uh, up next, we're going to hear from the president of Kettering University, which is taking a lead role in developing the self-driving cars of the future. Stay with us on Detroit Today.